Section 55 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 12. The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 55. The Captivity of Mrs. Mary Rowlandson, 1676, by herself. The home of Mrs. Rowlandson in Lancaster, Massachusetts, was destroyed by Indians during King Philip's War, and a number of its inmates were slain. She herself was taken captive, but was finally given up for a ransom. The following is her own account of the first few days of her captivity. The Editor I had often said before this that if the Indians should come, I should choose rather to be killed by them than taken alive. But when it came to the trial, my mind changed. Their glittering weapons so daunted my spirit that I chose rather to go along with those, as I may say, ravenous bears, than that moment to end my days. And that I may the better declare what happened to me during that grievous captivity, I shall particularly speak of the several removes we had up and down the wilderness. The first remove. Now away we must go with those barbarous creatures, with our bodies wounded and bleeding, and our hearts no less than our bodies. About a mile we went that night, up upon a hill within sight of the town, where we intended to lodge. There was hard, by a vacant house, deserted by the English before, for fear of the Indians. I asked them whether I might not lodge in the house that night, to which they answered, What, will you love the Englishmen still? This was the dolefulest night that ever my eyes saw. Oh, the roaring and singing and dancing and yelling of those black creatures of the night, which made the place a lively resemblance of hell and miserable was the waste that was there made of horses cattle sheep swine calves lambs roasting pigs and fowls which they had plundered in the town some roasting some lying and burning and some boiling to feed our merciless enemies who were joyful enough though we were disconsolate to add to the dolefulness of the former day and the dismalness of the present night my thoughts ran upon my losses and sad, bereaved condition. All was gone, my husband gone, at least separated from me, he being in the bay. And, to add to my grief, the Indians told me they would kill him as he came homeward. My children gone, my relations and friends gone, our house and home, and all our comforts within door and without. All was gone except my life. And I knew not but the next moment that might go too. There remained nothing to me but one poor, wounded babe, and it seemed at present worse than death, that was in such a pitiful condition, bespeaking compassion, and I had no refreshing for it, nor suitable things to revive it. Little do many think that it is the savageness and brutishness of this barbarous enemy those even that seem to profess more than others among them when the english have fallen into their hands 
the second remove but now the next morning i must turn my back upon the town and travel with them into the vast and desolate wilderness i know not whither it is not my tongue or pen can express the sorrows of my heart and bitterness of my spirit that i had at this departure but god was with me in a wonderful manner carrying me along and bearing up my spirit that it did not quite fail one of the indians carried my poor wounded babe upon a horse it went moaning all along i shall die i shall die i went on foot after it with sorrow that cannot be expressed at length i took it off the horse and carried it in my arms till my strength failed and i fell down with it then they set me upon a horse with my wounded child in my lap and there being no furniture on the horse's back as we were going down a steep hill we both fell over the horse's head at which they like inhumane creatures laughed and rejoiced to see it though i thought we should there have ended our days overcome with so many difficulties but the lord renewed my strength still and carried me along that i might see more of his power yea so much that i could never have thought of had i not experienced it after this it quickly began to snow and when night came on they stopped and now down i must sit in the snow by a little fire and a few boughs behind me with my sick child in my lap and calling much for water being now through the wound fallen into a violent fever my own wound also growing so stiff that i could scarcely sit down or rise up the third remove the morning being come they prepared to go on their way one of the indians got upon a horse and they sat me up behind him with my poor sick babe in my lap a very wearisome and tedious day i had of it what with my own wound and my child being so exceedingly sick and in a lamentable condition with her wound it may easily be judged what a poor feeble condition we were in there being not the least crumb of refreshing that came within either of our mouths from wednesday night to saturday night except only a little cold water this day in the afternoon about an hour by sun we came to the place where they intended namely an indian town called wenemiset new braintree northward of quebec brookfield this day there came to me one robert pepper a man belonging to roxbury who was taken at captain beer's fight and had been now a considerable time with the indians and up with them almost as far as albany to see king philip as he told me and was now very lately come into these parts hearing i say that i was in this indian town he obtained leave to come and see me he told me he himself was wounded in the leg at captain beers's fight and was not able some time to go but as they carried him and that they took oak leaves and laid to his wound and by the blessing of god he was able to travel again then took i oak leaves and laid to my side and with the blessing of god it cured me also i sat much alone with my poor wounded child in my lap which moaned night and day having nothing to revive the body or cheer the spirits of her but instead of that one indian would come and tell me one hour 
your master will knock your child on the head and then a second and then a third your master will quickly knock your child on the head this was the comfort i had from them miserable comforters were they all thus nine days i sat upon my knees my babe in my lap till my flesh was raw again my child even ready to depart this sorrowful world they bade me carry it to another wigwam i suppose because they would not be troubled with such spectacles whither i went with a very heavy heart and down i sat with the picture of death in my lap about two hours in the night my sweet babe like a lamb departed this life on february eighteenth sixteen seventy six it being about six years and five months old in the morning when they understood that my child was dead they sent me home to my master's wigwam by my master in this writing must be understood Juanoapin, who was a sagamore and married king philip's wife's sister not that he first took me but i was sold to him by a narragansett indian who took me when i first came out of the garrison i went to take up my dead child in my arms to carry it with me but they bid me let it alone there was no resisting but go i must and leave it when i had been a while at my master's wigwam i took the first opportunity i could get to look after my dead child when i came i asked them what they had done with it they told me it was on the hill then they went and showed me where it was where i saw the ground was newly digged and where they told me they had buried it there i left that child in the wilderness and must commit it and myself also in this wilderness condition to him who is above all god having taken away this dear child i went to see my daughter mary who was at the same indian town at a wigwam not very far off though we had little liberty or opportunity to see one another she was about ten years of age and taken from the door at first by a praying indian and afterwards sold for a gun when i came in sight she would follow weeping at which they were provoked and would not let me come near her but bid me be gone which was a heart-cutting word to me i could not sit in this condition but kept walking from one place to another and as i was going along my heart was even overwhelmed with the thoughts of my condition and that i should have children and a nation that i knew not ruled over them whereupon i earnestly entreated the lord that he would consider my low estate and show me a token for good and if it were his blessed will some sign and hope of some relief and indeed quickly the lord answered in some measure my poor prayer for as i was going up and down mourning and lamenting my condition my son joseph came to me and asked how i did i had not seen him before since the destruction of the town and i knew not where he was till i was informed by himself that he was among a smaller parcel of indians whose place was about six miles off with tears in his eyes he asked me whether his sister sarah was dead and told me he had seen his sister mary and prayed me that i would not be troubled in reference to himself the occasion of his coming to see me at this time was this there was as i said about six miles from us a small plantation of indians where it seems he had been during his captivity and at this time there were some forces of the indians gathered out of our company and some also from them, among whom was my son's master, 
to go to assault and burn medfield in this time of his master's absence his dame brought him to see me now the indians began to talk about removing from this place some one way and some another there were now besides myself nine english captives in this place all of them children except one woman i got an opportunity to go and take my leave of them they being to go one way and i another they told me they did as they were able and it was some comfort to me that the lord stirred up children to look to him the woman namely goodwife joslyn told me she should never see me again and that she could not find it in her heart to run away by any means and for we were near thirty miles from any english town and she with a child two years old and bad rivers there were to go over and we were feeble with our poor and coarse entertainment i had my bible with me i pulled it out and asked her whether she would read we opened the bible and lighted on psalm twenty seven in which psalm we especially took notice of that verse wait on the lord be of good courage and ye shall strengthen thine heart wait i say on the lord the fourth remove and now i must part with the little company i had here i parted with my daughter mary whom i never saw again till i saw her in dorchester returned from captivity and from four little cousins and neighbors some of which i never saw afterwards the lord only knows the end of them we travelled about half a day or a little more and came to a desolate place in the wilderness where there were no wigwams or inhabitants before we came about the middle of the afternoon to this place cold wet and snowy and hungry and weary and no refreshing for man but the cold ground to sit on and our poor indian cheer the fifth remove the occasion as i thought of their removing at this time was the english armies being near and following them for they went as if they had gone for their lives for some considerable way and then they made us stop and chose out some of their stoutest men and sent them back to hold the english army in play while the rest escaped and then like hehu they marched on furiously with their old and young some carried their old decrepit mothers some carried one and some another four of them carried a great indian upon a bier but going through a thick wood with him they were hindered and could make no haste whereupon they took him upon their backs and carried him one at a time till he came to Bequag river upon friday a little afternoon we came to this river when all the company was come up and were gathered together i thought to count the number of them but there were so many and being somewhat in motion it was beyond my skill in this travel because of my wound i was somewhat favoured in my load i carried only my knitting work and two quarts of parched meal being very faint i asked my mistress to give me one spoonful of the meal but she would not give me a taste they quickly fell to cutting dry trees to make rafts to carry them over the river and soon my turn came to go over by the advantage of some brush which they had laid upon the raft to sit on i did not wet my foot while many of themselves at the other end were mid-leg deep which cannot be acknowledged as a favour of god to my weakened body it being a very cold time i was not before acquainted with such kind of doings or dangers a certain number of us got over the river that night 
but it was the night after the sabbath before all the company got over on the saturday they boiled an old horse's leg which they had got and so he drank of the broth as soon as they thought it was ready and when it was almost all gone they filled it up again the first week of my being among them i hardly eat anything the second week i found my stomach grow very faint for want of something and yet it was very hard to get down their filthy trash but the third week though i could think how formerly my stomach would turn against this or that and i could starve and die before i could eat such things yet they were pleasant and savoury to my taste i was at this time knitting a pair of cotton stockings for my mistress and i had not yet wrought upon the sabbath day when the sabbath came they bid me go to work i told them it was sabbath day and desired them to let me rest and told them i would do as much work to-morrow to which they answered me they would break my face and here i cannot but take notice of the strange providence of god in preserving the heathen they were many hundreds old and young some sick and some lame many had papooses at their backs the greatest number at this time with us were squaws and yet they travelled with all they had bag and luggage and they got over this river unforesaid and on monday they set their wigwams on fire and away they went on that very day came the english army after them to this river and saw the smoke of their wigwams and yet this river put a stop to them god did not give them courage or activity to go over after us we were not ready for so great a mercy as victory and deliverance if we had been god would have found out a way for the english to have passed this river as well as for the indians with their squaws and children and all their luggage the sixth remove on monday as i said they set their wigwams on fire and went away it was a cold morning and before us there was a great brook with ice on it some waded through it up to their knees and higher but others went till they came to a beaver dam and i among them where through the good providence of god i did not wet my foot i went along that day mourning and lamenting leaving farther my own country and travelling farther into the vast and howling wilderness and i understood something of lot's wife's temptation when she looked back we came that day to a great swamp by the side of which we took up our lodging that night when we came to the brow of the hill that looked towards the swamp i thought we had been come to a great indian town though there were none but our own company the indians were as thick as the trees it seemed as if there had been a thousand hatchets going at once the seventh remove after a restless and hungry night there we had a wearisome time of it the next day the swamp by which we lay was as it were a deep dungeon and an exceeding high and steep hill before it before i got to the top of the hill i thought my heart and legs and all would have broken and failed me what with faintness and soreness of body it was a grievous day of travel to me as we went along i saw a place where english cattle had been that was a comfort to me such as it was quickly after that we came to an english path which so took me that i thought i could there have freely lain down and died that day a little afternoon we came to squahik northfield 
where the indians quickly spread themselves over the deserted english fields gleaning what they could find some picked up ears of wheat that were crickled down some found ears of indian corn some found ground nuts and others sheaves of wheat that were frozen together in the shock and went to threshing of them out myself got two ears of indian corn and whilst i did but turn my back one of them was stole from me which much troubled me there came an indian to them at that time with a basket of horse litter i asked him to give me a piece what says he can you eat horse liver i told him i would try if he would give me a piece which he did and i laid it on the coals to roast but before it was half ready they got half of it away from me so that i was forced to take the rest and eat it as it was with the blood about my mouth and yet a savoury bit it was to me for to the hungry soul every bitter thing was sweet a solemn sight methought it was to see whole fields of wheat and indian corn forsaken and spoiled and the remainder of them to be food for our merciless enemies that night we had a mess of wheat for our supper the eighth removed on the morrow morning we must go over connecticut river to meet with king philip two canoes full they had carried over the next turn myself was to go but as my foot was upon the canoe to step in there was a sudden outcry among them and i must step back and instead of going over the river i must go four or five miles up the river farther northward some of the indians ran up one way and some another the cause of this rout was as i thought their espying some english scouts who were thereabouts in this travel up the river about noon the company made a stop and sat down some to eat and others to rest them as i sat amongst them musing on things passed my son joseph unexpectedly came to me we asked of each other's welfare bemoaning our doleful condition and the change that had come upon us i gave him my bible and he alighted upon the comforting scripture psalm one hundred and eighteen seventeen eighteen i shall not die but live and declare the works of the lord the lord hath chastened me sore yet he hath not given me over to death look here mother says he did you read this we travelled on till night and in the morning we must go over the river to philip's crew when i was in the canoe i could not but be amazed at the numerous crew of pagans that were on the bank on the other side when i came ashore they gathered all about me i sitting alone in the midst i observed that they had asked me one another questions and laughed and rejoiced over their gains and victories then my heart began to fail and i fell a-weeping which was the first time to my remembrance that i wept before them then one of them asked me why i wept i could hardly tell what to say yet i answered they would kill me no said he none will hurt you they came one of them and gave me two spoonfuls of meal to comfort me and another gave me half a pint of peas which was worth more than many bushels at another time then i went to see king philip he bade me come in and sit down and asked me whether i would smoke it a usual compliment nowadays among the saints and sinners but this no way suited me for though i had formerly used tobacco yet i had left it ever since i was first taken it seems to be a bait the devil lays to make men lose their precious time i remember with shame how formerly 
when i had taken two or three pipes i was presently ready for another such a bewitching thing it is but i thank god he has now given me power over it surely there are many who may be better employed than to sit sucking a stinking tobacco pipe now the indians gathered their forces to go against northampton overnight one went about yelling and hooting to give notice of the design whereupon they went to boiling of ground nuts and parching corn as many as had it for their provision and in the morning away they went during my abode in this place philip spoke to me to make a shirt for his boy which i did for which he gave me a shilling i offered the money to my mistress but she bid me keep it and with it i bought a piece of horseflesh afterwards he asked me to make a cap for his boy for which he invited me to dinner i went and he gave me a pancake about as big as two fingers it was made of parched wheat beaten and fried in bear's grease but i thought i never tasted pleasanter meat in my life there was a squaw who spoke to me to make a shirt for her senna for which she gave me a piece of beef another asked me to knit a pair of stockings for which she gave me a quart of peas i boiled my peas and beef together and invited my master and mistress to dinner but the proud gossip because i served them both in one dish would eat nothing except one bit that he gave her upon the point of his knife hearing that my son was come to this place i went to see him and found him lying flat on the ground i asked him how he would sleep so he answered me that he was not asleep but at prayer and that he lay so they might not observe what he was doing i pray god he may remember these things now he is returned in safety at this place the sun now getting higher what with the beams and heat of the sun and smoke of the wigwams i thought i should have been blinded i could scarce discern one wigwam from another there was one mary thurston at medfield who seeing how it was with me lent me a hat to wear but as soon as i was gone the squaw that owned that mary thurston came running after me and got it away again here was a squaw who gave me a spoonful of meal i put it in my pocket to keep it safe yet notwithstanding somebody stole it but put five indian corns in the room of it which corns were the greatest provision i had in my travel for one day the indians returning from northampton brought with them some horses and sheep and other things which they had taken i desired them that they would carry me to albany upon one of those horses and sell me for powder for so they had sometimes discoursed i was utterly helpless of getting home on foot the way that i came i could hardly bear to think of the many weary steps i had taken to this place but instead of either going to albany or homeward we must go five miles up the river and then go over it here we abode a while End of section fifty five this recording is in the public domain.